The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Oh, I'm cold. I am cold, folks. That is the coldest day that's come yet, for sure. There's no doubt about that. I feel it in me bones today. But the other thing is, well, fingers crossed and touch wood, we won't need those snow ploughs. <laughs> we can put them up for sale again. It'll probably fall out of the skies in footfalls this evening, but I have a feeling it mightn't. But uh, you never know. So weather is hard to predict, isn't it? Even in the best of times. But when you have the current situation with the cold we're experiencing with a warm front on the way, they really can't predict it. No matter what technology you have or whatever, it is very difficult to map it out when it's like that. But anyway, no significant snow so far. Welcome to the show and uh, put on the kettle there. Have a cup of tea or coffee or a cup of soup or whatever warms you up. We all need warming and heartwarming today and hopefully We'll do that for you by the spadeful on late lunch this afternoon. A little bit later on in the show, Spencer Stevenson is joining me and it's a big, big problem for people. Hair loss, especially for young men. Spencer, listen to this, spent £40,000 on his hair loss problem and over a period of years, of course. But he now has the experience under his belt and he's... A man who many people go to for uh, help with, with hair loss issues. And he's joining me on the show after two o'clock today. Michelle Cummins is with us. She has an inspiring story. She's a young mum and she has she's a young mum and uh, she has taken to running. Taking a running, she has. Uh, and it really has uh, changed her life completely. She's joining us a little bit later on. Of course, Dusty Springfield. Yes, she's my artist of the week. And uh, she, uh, well, what a wonderful lady she is uh, and was. But we are going to hear another Dusty Springfield classic today. And I continue her story on the show. And uh, also on today's show, who else is joining me? Yes, I have uh, Carol, Caroline O'Brien with me. And she's going to tell me about a young man who needs our help at this time. She's joining us after three o'clock on the show. Harry is his name and there's a big push to help this young man and we're going to hear about that on the show today. If you want to get in touch with us on Late Lunch, give us a shout. 086-1800-658. That is the WhatsApp or text number. Or if you'd like to call into Late Lunch, it's 1850-715-958. Now... Bombshell is all I can say for the GAA. You will have heard on all the news bulletins uh, today that Gaelic Games has lost its elite status in sport. What's this all about? Where has it come from? Well, we're going to find out now because he's written brilliantly about it today in the Irish Independent. He is the Irish Independent GAA correspondent from County Mead. I'm delighted to say hello again to Colm Keyes. Hello, Colm. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. This is uh, this is certainly, Colm, This has come as a bombshell to so many people. Can you can you explain for listeners, you know, what has happened in the last twenty four hours? Uh, well, Jerry, the GA officials met with government officials, among them uh, the Minister for State at the Department of Sport, Jack Chambers, earlier in the week, to clarify a few issues about their return competitive action. Where they were informed, uh, it seems that Gaelic Games at inter-county level did not have clearance under level 5, under a hardened level 5 that we're in now, uh, 
it did not have clearance to restart collective training or any training in early March. And they were advised that this would remain in place until at least Easter and maybe beyond because quite clearly when the level five uh, restrictions in place for the, for the country at the moment are being reviewed, there's very, very little going to be, um, for want of a better word, released or very little put back construction, schools obviously over the month of March, mm. but nothing else. Now, obviously, that's at odds with the elite status as it was that prevailed between October and December that allowed the inter-county uh, leagues to finish and the championship. Yes. So it has created a lot of frustration, notwithstanding, obviously, you know, the, the way the country is at the moment. And on a scale of one to ten, sport is well down that list. That's accepted. But in terms of trying to understand why last October, November and December that Intercounty had the green light, but it doesn't now, the explanations just don't don't really stack up. And that's, that's, the, that's the frustrating point uh, from a GA point of view, I suppose, for managers, players, everyone involved at that level. Uh, there is an element of frustration that it was good enough uh, late last year when it seemed the country was in the need of a bit of a lift and yeah. it needed something to fix on at the weekends and Saturday afternoons, Saturday nights, Sunday afternoons were, were filled generally for for quite quite an element of the population were were consumed by these games mm. and it provided the distraction through the previous lockdown but now it seems that it's not as as important and and that's the frustrating that's the frustrating point obviously other sports can go ahead rugby it's a professional sport the players can operate in bubbles league of ireland soccer maybe not so much in bubbles but it's semi professional racing professional sport but the GA's elite status, uh, and I don't think they will phrase it as elite status. I think it's professional is 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 more is more than likely. But in terms of elite status, Jerry, the government pay grants to the GA players every year for for that elite status. So it's a question of language. It's a question of where do you draw the line. But the bottom line is there will be no GA activity uh, at any level until Easter at the earliest, as per a GA statement last night. Now, the Taoiseach has been questioned on this this morning, but the man out front is Minister of State for Sport, Jack Chambers. And when I read what he's had to say this morning, you know, you take from it that actually last year, what they're saying now is that they granted the GAA an exception, you know, just for that period of time. And that's all it was, that it wasn't considered, you know, elite in level five. And that's the reason why the leagues and championships went ahead. What do you make of that? Well, if you go back to level five, the living with COVID plan that was devised last June, I think it was last June, May, June, uh, under level five, there was no sport. There was no sport to yep. take place under level five. Um, and Gaelic Games was part of that. And the understanding was that if level five was kicking in, in October, it wouldn't be. And yes, an exemption was made, but it was made for, it was made for all sports, as far as I could see. Uh, if there was an exemption made, it wasn't explained clearly to the GAA, because last December they devised their calendar, which instructed that inter-county training could commence on January 15, and mm. that the leagues would commence at the end of February. But if that exemption was in place, only until the end of the championship last December. That wasn't clear. Otherwise, the GA would not have gone ahead and publicly released their calendar for 2021. So obviously, 
there's a miscommunication here somewhere that it wasn't made specifically clear that allowing Gaelic games at inter-county level to go ahead between October and December was only a temporary arrangement. And again, it goes back to the, to the point. If it's a temporary arrangement, last, why, is it, why is it okay between October and December, but not through March and April? And if you, if you gauge by case numbers, and again, look, this is obviously the country is in a more serious position right now, but the case numbers will actually be lower in March and April by projection than they were through October and November when yeah. they gave the green light. So there's a lack of consistency there too. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Let's have a listen. I spoke to Colm O'Rourke, your fellow county man, um, a little earlier on today, and I just want you to hear what he had to say. Let's listen to Colm O'Rourke. Well, that came as a bit of a bolt out of the blue, and I'm sure that like a lot of other people in the GEA world were all very disappointed uh, with this. I had certainly hoped that the inter-county activity would start next month, but far more of interest to me was that uh, underage football or underage training at least could start back in clubs because uh, that's the the biggest numbers by far. And uh, I think now that that seems to be shoved out to maybe late in April. And I think that's a, a real body blow because I think we need to get young people moving again. And you conclude, uh, Colm O'Rourke there speaking to me a little earlier on, Colm Keyes, you conclude your article actually in The Independent today, um, you know, talking about this, the impact, not alone now, we'll come back to the county scene in a moment, but the impact on children and parents and coaches, etc. Yeah, now, the, you know, I suppose we have to qualify all of this, Jerry, saying until schools are back, until kids are going back through the gates of schools, it's very, very hard to see the gates of GA clubs or, or any other sporting organisation. So, that, you know, we, we make the assumption that the schools will be back, by and large, even on a phased basis, through the month of March. But there is no prospect of uh, inter-county Gaelic games taking place until May because they are going to need a four-week pre-season. And I fully accept Colm's point that there are a lot of frustrated parents uh, out there too who, who believe, and obviously coaches and young players as well, that are, are, are looking for an outlet and, OK, they won't have one in February and that's accepted. And they won't have one in March, that's accepted because schools must take priority. But there is no sign of this on the horizon if the GA have been advised for that activity should not take place and that they should hold off until the month of April because there's going to be a lag and there's going to be a build-up period. So, Colm is probably right. Right now, it looks like the end of April before even underage teams can get out mm. in non-contact pods of 15 or 10 or whatever, it, whatever it's going to be as it was last year. So that, that is a long, long, long time down the road and obviously a concern for the physical and me- mental well-being of, of, of some of those kids because Absolutely. You know, there are restrictions. And look, if restrictions, 5K restrictions are in place, you can't see how underage games or any games at club level can take place. I mean, I do think club action is a long, long way down the road here, especially at adult level. I think we're looking at, certainly looking into end of May, June, before there's any movement. So uh, the implications then, Column, of this for the calendar, uh, and you say it, are severe, really, and and it is uh, wide-ranging implications. Could this mean, again, we won't see a club championship? We may not see provincials. We might just see club championships and the the championship itself at senior level? Well, there's probably three scenarios. The first one is that the, the leagues get underway in May 
and played through over five weekends. And after that, a club window kicks in for 14 weeks, maybe to the middle of September, something like that, along last year's schedules. And then the championship with another four-week run-in, obviously, for pre-season, uh, commences sometime around mid-October and finishes, like last year, uh, close to December. So that would be, you'd be splitting the inter-county season, putting yeah. a club window in between. Secondly, they could dispense with the leagues. That wouldn't suit a lot of the, the lower-tier counties who prioritise the league ahead of championship because they know they've little chance of winning a championship, albeit Tipperary and Cavan won provincial titles last year, and they're, they're now in Division 3. But the leagues could be dispensed with, and they could move to a four-week pre-season and start the championship in May and finish in August as planned and follow on with a club season after that. Or they could just put everything back to the back end of the year, but that would leave it extremely tight, and that's a risk because, as we said, you could spend two months with nothing through April and May because clubs won't be allowed to play. Anyway, so mm. I would think at this stage, it lo- I would I would probably speculate that the league could take place in May uh, tr- into into early June, and then a split for club with the championship happening at the back end of the mm. season. And maybe Jerry, just maybe that suits the GAA too, because by then crowds may I have my doubts on this. Some element of crowds may be allowed back into grounds. Uh, later in the year if the country is in a better place yeah. and we obviously hope it is yeah. and that would obviously help revenues because right now the GA is facing a, a real financial crisis it does not have reserves of money anything it makes it reinvests into the game whether it's, it's infrastructure or coaching or whatever else yeah. so it doesn't have a reserve a rainy day fund it had to go and get government subvention last year it will have to do it again this year to run its games programs its coaching programs all of that so if there are some elements of crowds allowed in, maybe it suits to have your biggest and best games at the back end of the year when the appetite will obviously be there too to pass through the games. Now, albeit, I would say, on, on a limited basis. Yes. But I do think until the school gates open, there is really no no suggestion of clubs mm. or underage going back here. Whatever about, whatever about inter-county games, I, I don't see any movement... Uh, at underage and club until schools are well settled back in. Yeah, I'm just looking at again and uh, further what Jack Chambers had to say today. He said uh, he, he didn't believe there didn't seem to be an appetite in all aspects of the GA for a return. And he also said that there's not been discussions with the GA on a timeline when they wish to return. Do you think that will happen now? Will there be pressure to get in there and talk and try and tease this out? With, with, well, with I the- have to say that that... That statement surprised me. Mm. That statement surprised me because my understanding was that the GA, and I stand to be corrected here, but my, that's, that is my understanding the GA did go and seek a meeting to see what the parameters for return to competition were. And it's then that they got, as Colm said earlier, the bombshell that, no, forget about March, any return, and leave it until April at least before you make a decision on, on where you're going. So that does this surprise me. Having said that, the Director General of the GAA, the, obviously the Finance Committee, and many, many treasurers have expressed deep concern about the financial picture. And their preference would have been intercounty at the back end of the season to allow crowds and, by consequence, gate revenue uh, to obviously deal, deal, deal with that issue. And their preference would have been the back end. So, does that point to the lack of urgency that Jack Chambers is, is suggesting? I don't know. 
I think it's something the GA may challenge during the course of the day. I do think there's a little bit of rollback. Listen to Michal Martin this morning and just yeah. just a gauge of it that even even the idea that underage teams. I mean, Leo Varadkar was on record earlier in the week as saying, you know, we, maybe through March that some form of outdoor training for underage kids, not not contact, could happen along with golf. So I do think this will change again and that we may see an earlier than projected return for, for training and the league starting in probably early May, late April, early May, and taken off from there with a, with a club season at the height of the summer and revert to a championship at the back end of the year. We'll uh, watch with interest, but I'm sure there will be more reaction to this and this story will roll over the uh, coming hours and days. I see you're featuring prominently with uh, our own David Sheehan in the uh, second part of his new podcast, After the Gold Rush, Meath Beyond Boiling. You're in there this week, big time, uh, looking at uh, Eamon Barry's tenure as Mead yeah, manager. That, that was something that David contacted me. It's something I, you'd probably forget about. But at the time, and looking back at some of the newspaper articles, and obviously I would have written at the time, it was a hugely contentious issue uh, for those few weeks in Mead. And indeed, Mead has had its uh, quite a number of exper- uh, uh, controversial experiences around the uh, post-Sean Boyle and around the appointment and the departure of, of managers. And that was just one element of it. And I suppose a strong clash there between Eamon Barry and the then chairman, now deceased Fintan Guinnessy, and as I mentioned, two strong-willed characters that uh, really uh, differed over the appointment of a backroom team at the time and, and contentious. And obviously, Eamon was replaced Sean Boyle at the time, and he had been a very successful manager uh, with Dunchockton three in a row and a Leinster title, and he wanted to appoint his own backroom team. And the board had issues with that members of that backroom team, and it took off from there as to who had the right to appoint and who had the right to improve, approve. Yeah. But a contentious time, obviously, for me, then it followed with a number of contentious issues around managers, if you recall, Eamon, Barry, or Eamon O'Brien's departure, and yes. uh, then the attempt to get Seamus McEnany out of the job at that time. So really... A lot of managerial upheaval for those six or seven years after Sean Boyle. It was indeed. Anyway, that podcast is available tomorrow after the Gold Rush Meath Beyond Boiling here on LMFM.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Colm Keyes, of course, uh, joining David Sheehan in episode number two. Colm, thank you so much for joining me today. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Colm Keyes there. You can read him in the Irish Independent. He is their GAA correspondent. He's a fine writer. He really is. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Look, I will say, as Colm acknowledged that at the start there, that sport is down down the... uh, the pyramid near the bottom when it comes to the situation in Ireland at the moment because of where we are with COVID. But if you have a view on a GAA and its elite status or the return of youngsters to training with their clubs, hopefully when the schools are back sometime in March. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, I won't back down. Well, you know, a lot of people have had to back down this last 12 months, that's for sure. Thank you for all your comments, the flying into me. Hi, Jerry. It is absolutely right that the GAA should lose the elite status, and others should also lose it too. To say any sport is elite is to suggest that it's not open to everyone. Mm, interesting. It is the sports person that is elite and not the sport. Um, people who represent Ireland at international events or world championships, I'd regard them as elite, Jerry. Thank you very much indeed for that message. Uh, Bernadette's been on to me to say, Jerry, you mentioned the cold at the top of the show. Can I tell you that I'm warm as toast in Cullen today? 
They call it cowl culling, you know that? Well, it's very high up there. Our mast is out there as well. That's how you hear LMFM all over the northeast and beyond. You know why Bernadette's warm, she's telling me. You see, Jerry, I have the oven on here in the kitchen and I'm baking away. Oh, good on you. Oh, the way the old oven heats up the kitchen. You can't beat it. What about John? Hello, John. He's after being out on the shore for the last two hours on the seashore collecting winkles. Jerry, would you need, you'd need to be out there to see what the cold is like. Oh, my God, on the shore of the East Coast today. You'd be shaved. John, give us a shout. 1850-715-958. Call in there. 1850-715-958. Maybe you'd have a chat with us to tell us what it was really like and all about these winkles. Michael's been on to say... He feels the GAA is way above any other sport in the country. It's not right that they're letting soccer and rugby go ahead. It should be a level playing field. We need to get the young fellas out in the field again to help with their mental stability. If they let the GAA roll out the vaccines, it would be done by now. The GAA is the hub of the country. The government are making all the decisions. Thank you, Michael. Benny from RD. People, Jerry, need to come first. The government are doing their best. The hospitals are full. Every town is racked with the virus. Give it a chance. We need to get on top of things before we can start playing sports. Thank you indeed. God, you have great opinions coming to me this afternoon. Keep them coming. 086-1800-658. Did you see the temperature in Scotland last night? Did you see that? See what the dial went in Scotland? The lowest temperature for 25 years in the UK. Listen to this. I have it here beside me. 22.9 degrees Minus. Now, on a good day here, 22 by 9, 23 degrees is a lovely warm day. Think of it right the opposite end of the scale. Almost minus 23 in a place called Bramer in Scotland last night. That is cold. And you can imagine with a, will ch- with a wind chill along with that, what it would be like. It really would shave you. It would. I'm feeling it today. I'm feeling the cold more than I felt any other day, I have to say. I really am. But look, that's just myself, the way I'm feeling this afternoon. My next guest on Late Lunch this afternoon is a hair loss expert. And when I tell you that he began losing his hair when he was 21, he had 13 transplants in 20 years. And he spent, listen to this, folks, 40,000 sterling. I'm delighted to say hello on late lunch this afternoon to Spencer Stevenson. Hello, Spencer. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Before we get into you and your story and what you've learned with experience, lockdown, Spencer, since late last March, we're almost a year into it at this stage. Has hair loss become a bigger issue because of the restrictions? I think def- definitely, I think essentially with the nature of lockdown and people being isolated and people having a lot of free time on their hands, combine that with the stress element um, that COVID has brought onto each individual in their own way, you know, it's going to have an inflammatory response in people and in their hair. And essentially, you know, combined with losing your hair through stress, because of the nature of lockdown, as we're all aware of, people have got a lot more time on their hands and they're spending a lot of time not only scrutinizing their situation because they've got time to, but spending time now to actually research into options available to them to resolve their hair loss issues. 
Okay, so it, it, it may be more of an issue and there is more time, as you say, to get on to Dr. Google there and start rooting around and see what you come up with. But look at look at your story. You are 21. Can I ask you this? Hair loss, was it hereditary in your family? Or is it a hereditary, a hereditary thing? It is. Um, it was a hereditary issue for me, yeah, male pattern baldness, um, as it is for the vast majority of men. Um, there's a huge amount of denial when people start to lose their hair that they attribute it to the stress or the strains or different products that they're using. But fundamentally, through experience, we've realized through time served that the reason that men lose their hair is, is, is down to genetics. And obviously, compounded with that of the recent COVID lockdown and stress, it can trigger and in turn kind of speed up the process. And uh, But yet yeah, my situation was down to male pattern baldness. I got it from my mother's side. Uh, my grandfather was bald. But it is a genetic lottery. You know, you can um, f- have everybody in your family, brothers, uncles, fathers, grandfathers with full heads of hair it doesn't mean that you are safe yeah. from male pattern baldness. OK, yes, it can jump generations and just appear out of the blue with anybody in a family line. £40,000, 13 transplants. Spencer, yeah. you are a man that just didn't give up. But for all of that, can you say today, having come through all of that, are you happy with your hair now? Yeah, I am very happy. And yeah, I didn't give up. And sadly, my story shouldn't be one to compare to. I had very poor procedures to start out at the uh, 20 years ago when the internet wasn't even available. So hence why it led me on a journey to get to the other side. And I learned the hard way. And this is why I provide my services now via specshair.com and other resources. We run a radio show, The Ball Truth UK, to help educate people from making the same mistakes I made because I didn't have people to talk to, hence made so many mistakes, hence made so many, had so many hair transplants and it cost me so much money. You say, and I quote you, that this industry is full of sharks, con men, and I really smiled when I saw this, snake oil salespeople. <laughs> Indeed it is. The industry, the hair loss industry and hair transplant industry is a multi billion pound a year industry and it fundamentally preys on the vulnerable 99% of products and services that are sold are do not work and what my uh, role that I have helped carve out over time is to kind of protect people from this industry by trying to share accurate information ethical information that's out there for perpetuity. I'm in the mainstream media regularly over here in the UK and globally. And, you know, I write regular blogs for one of the biggest male grooming blogs in the world, Ape to Gentlemen, to provide information so that people can do their due diligence and avoid all the, you know, we've seen this plethora of Facebook ads and Instagram ads, all selling empty promises, promising them cheap, affordable surgery. Often in this industry, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. So you just have to be really, really careful. And what I have aimed to do over the last 20 years is through my own story and backstory is simply enable people to sift through 
that plethora of information that's out there and misinformation to enable people to get to the facts. Because hair loss is a very, very emotional topic. And until you've experienced it, it's very hard to deal with. There's a great deal of vulnerability, self-esteem issues, confidence issues, and people will jump at any opportunity that they're given. And they're all looking for the answer to be told to them. And there's so many people out there, a.k.a. sharks and snake oil salesmen, that are willing to provide that information to them. So what you're saying basically is that when you're in this situation, you're at a vulnerable time and that the industry really sadly preys on that? A hundred percent, sadly, Um, like with many industries. But unfortunately, the hair loss and the hair transplant industry is a whole nother level. And um, it is designed to prey on the vulnerable and prey on the desperate because of the nature of hair loss and the isolation and the psychological implications of losing your hair. Uh, People are desperate, very, very desperate. And there is an, you know, this is why there are multiple kind of products and, and, and treatments that are being missold to try and lure people in to essentially capitalize on that. And, you know, we run a very popular radio show, The Ball Truth UK, which is housed on Ape to Gentlemen, which helps educate people to get informed and empower them with the right tools so that they don't just jump into Dr. Google, self-diagnose, and buy the first thing that pops up on a Facebook advert because of an algorithm. Yes. So, so such important advice, I have to say. So let's cut to the chase here. For you and for the people you advise now to save them uh, from this uh, situation, what worked for you ultimately? What is the number one way of restoring hair? Okay, the number one way to restore hair is essentially to restore it via head transplantation, but to backtrack, the most important thing, because the nature of hair, hair, it, hair loss is progressive. It only gets worse. It doesn't get better on its own. So you have to intervene. And there are proven treatments that are out there that can help. There's a free ebook on my website to, to help guide you and sift through it. But they're over-the-counter product, Minoxidil, you can get a prescription medication, Finasteride, more commonly known as Propecia, or there is a shampoo called GrowMD Shampoo. Now, they are my tried and tested regime after countless years and dealing with countless people um, who have experienced hair loss. And for me, they are the tried and tested go-to products for hair loss to prevent further hair loss and potentially if you respond early, regrow a significant amount of hair. Okay. Then you can look gone. Sorry. No, 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 that's good to, to hear. So that is prevention and to stop the process itself. But if you want to restore your hair, where do you go when you want to go down that road? That's fine. Well, if you want to restore your hair, just to backtrack, getting on preventative treatments creates you that foundation. Okay. Like a, builder, a builder would build a foundation to build a wall so with regards to hair transplantation, there's a great organization, the International Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgeons, which encapsulates very good proven surgeons out there. So it's important that you look into ethical, honest, reputable surgeons that have a, a, accreditation and are part of valid organizations, as opposed to they're claiming to be the best in the world because of a Facebook or Instagram advert. So Mm. the International Alliance of Hair Restoration Surgeons 
is an organization to look to for accredited ethical surgeons. That's nothing to do with me, but it is a third-party organization which is, without a shadow of a doubt, the most kind of uh, reputable organization for a surgeon to be accredited to. Okay, I can tell you that one of my colleagues here, Eamon Duffy, had uh, went abroad uh, from here and had it done, and he had uh, follicles taken from his neck area and planted back into his scalp. And my God, it's been a wonderful success for him. I just cited to you as as somebody I know. Sorry, I do forgive you. Could you just repeat that again? Sorry, buddy, I missed that question. Yes, yes. one of my colleagues here, Eamon Duffy, went abroad a couple of years ago and I remember interviewing him on this show and he had a transplant uh, done from uh, follicles taken from the back of his neck and implanted in his scalp and his hair has come back uh, fantastically well. Yeah, it can do. I mean, the the, the nature of the process, the, 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 the nature of the surgery, the type of surgery... In the right hand, it is a fantastic surgery. You know, when it's done ethically, when it's done accurately, so that the patient is guided mid and long term. You know, but um, sadly, the, the the industry is ruthless, and there's countless practices out there now that will just basically treat patients as a number and not as a patient. And they they it's important that when people opt for surgery, that they're choosing an ethical, honest, reputable, experienced surgeon. And if they do then the success rates are incredibly high. So there's no reason why your colleague shouldn't have had a great result. He's done his research and found a great surgeon. Yes. But sadly, sadly, many do not. Okay, so it's important uh, that International Organization of Hair Restoration Surgeons, they are the ones that you need to look at if you're going to go down that road. You have worked with the great and good Jimmy Carr, I'm a great fan on Cats Do Countdown. <laughs> he really is a star. Uh, and he has some head, I have to say, of black hair. You worked with Jimmy. Yeah, I helped advise Jimmy Carr for a number of months. Um, Jimmy did a great deal of research into head transplantation on his own, and he's quite public about it, which is great. I've helped many celebrities, um, household names, and sadly, a lot of them want to keep it to themselves, and I understand it. But if more were forthcoming to share the information, a lot more people would get educated. But Jimmy had a, a hair transplant about six months ago. I helped him for six months on the lead up to it, and he had many questions, and he was very diligent in his process of which surgeons and where to go. And it was important for him to do his own research. A lot of celebrities just give it to their agent or their management to find somewhere to go. Uh, and Jimmy did a great deal of research personally, and it was a pleasure to help him on his on his research process. For yourself, just back to you again, Spencer, you didn't go the... Uh, I know you, you had 13 ones that just didn't work for you, and uh, over the period of time I was talking about there earlier on the show, the amount of money you spent... Did you did you find a transplant yourself eventually that had or you mentioned those three products and and the re- regime that you uh, uh, champion now was that the real reason why you know you're very happy with your head of hair now? Yeah, def- definitely a combination of 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 uh, essentially the treatment regime that I'm on yep. provided me a very strong platform. Now the head transplants that I had. They were relatively small procedures. Okay. Um, I am not the standard control. They essentially, a lot of them worked, but they grew in very unnaturally, left me with scars. Mm. The last few procedures that I've had have been small, but they've been to refine and tweak and, and, and critique 
uh, my hair so that I can be, you know, very, um, I was a repair patient. And once you're a repair patient, it's a slightly longer journey as opposed to somebody that's kind of done their research and chooses a good surgeon that guides them well. But me personally now, I spot a very good, natural, thick head of hair, despite the fact that the number of surgeries and the amount of money is immaterial to me because I now live my life without being under this kind of weighed down by the, uh, the, the, the anxiety and the stress of, of, of a bad hair transplant and hair loss. Um, so I'm not the control. If I were to start all over again, knowing what I know now, I'd probably only have a couple of hair transplants. But the nature of it, it's really important that your listeners know, nobody just gets one hair transplant. You know, hair's like money. You always want more. And it's a case of be prepared if you're venturing into this, that the most important part of getting a hair transplant is actually preventing further loss of what you've got existing on your head because that in turn means you're going to have a stable environment and it will mean you need fewer hair transplants down Mm. the line. Questions coming in. Naturally, I knew they would for you when you were uh, on with me today on the show. Hi, Jerry. I'm 33, have some baldness appearing on the crown area and the hairline is receding. What would Spencer recommend for me? Where should I start on this journey? Okay, well, I am not a doctor, so yeah. my advice is not medical. But if I were you and I was experiencing that, I would seriously, uh, if this is a, is this a male uh, caller yeah. or a female caller, it's a male, male caller. Male caller, 33, Sorry, yeah. I, I do apologize. Yeah, I would highly look into, speak to your GP, but I would look into finasteride, Propecia. It is notoriously known to really help respond and prevent further loss in the crown, the mid to the crown. I'd also look into minoxidil, and I'd look into Grow MD shampoo. This information is all available on my website, which is specshair.com. There's a free ebook that will just enable you to get your head around, excuse the pun, the, the, <laughs> the proven treatments and how the different treatments actually address hair loss. Because the reason that you're losing your hair, a classic, um, this caller that's called in, is classic male pattern baldness. And it's the reason that we lose our hair is because of dihydrotestosterone. And what these treatments do, they, they address dihydrotestosterone from different angles. And the, 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 my advice to the caller is intervention early is really important because people have already lost 50% of their hair before they even realize they're losing their hair. So you're on the back foot. So the yeah. sooner you intervene, the better. Specs, that's S-P-E-X, hair. Specs hair, all the one word, dot com. All the information is there. Well done to you, Spencer, and thank you so much for joining me. Very interesting on the show today. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Bye. Take care of yourself. That's Spencer Stevenson there. Listen to this. Hi, I just went to Liverpool. It cost me five thousand euro the best decision i ever made i look 10 years younger and have more confidence i did some research into the clinic and would highly recommend it i will say that the day of the procedure itself is tough as you are awake for it but i felt no pain it was simply magnificent thank you indeed for that message to us on late lunch today if you have anything to say about hair or anything else besides give us a shout 086 1800 658 whatsapp or text me the Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. 
Financial support so important for so many people at this time. Uh, did you know that new financial supports for businesses have been announced by the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment, including the COVID-19 Business Aid Scheme, which will provide grants to businesses ineligible for existing financial supports. The new scheme is designed to help businesses who've remained open to the public with their fixed costs, such as rent, utilities and security still there. To find out more about this and other COVID financial supports available to businesses in County Meath, visit countymeathchamber.ie. There's fantastic information available there on a wide range of issues, and that's just one of them. Check it out, countymeathchamber.ie. Remember last week I had the loveliest conversation with John Moore. John from Dundalk produced beautiful cookery book and we had a lovely chat on the show. And you know something, John, you've made my day today because this lovely card arrived. Most beautiful card. And it says, Jerry, thanks a million for the opportunity to talk about my cookbook on your show, John. And it says, P.S., We'll deliver a trifle for you as soon as the restrictions are lifted. Ah, John, it's a signature dish in the book and I can't wait to taste it. Thank you so much for thinking of me and sending me that beautiful card. I really do appreciate it. We had the sea swimmers on yesterday at the top of the show. What hardy people they are. And they were out again today. They were, of course. Joe's been on to say, Jerry, my daughter is just back from a sea swim. You were chatting about it yesterday on your show. And she's a member of the Ben Head Group at Gormanston in County Meath. Well done to you and anyone who's been in the sea that day. And the winkle picker who was in touch with me. Whoa. Oh, I can feel the cold as I sit here. Uh, listen, the Benhead crew, uh, we've heard of them, of course, and they go out in the sea as well every day. Fair juicy. And Joe, wish them well on our behalf. And uh, It's a, a real hardy pastime, for sure, at this time of the year. But uh, I'd certainly say it gets the blood moving, doesn't it? It really does. And you're up for anything after the sea swim, that is for sure. Valentine's Day on Sunday and romance is in the air all this week at Leeson's Butchers in Navin Shopping Centre with a Massive steak sale for Valentine's Day. Ah, yes, it's the way to a man's heart. A good big old steak. And listen, you can treat your loved one to a special Valentine's meal for two with two strip loin steaks, potato gratin and pepper sauce. And to celebrate, Gleason's are giving you the chance to win a Valentine's Day champagne breakfast. Yes, that comes to us from Gleason's Butchers Navin Shopping Centre. How do you win it? Just head on over to the LMFM Facebook page and you can enter the competition there and the very best of luck to you. Love is in the air, a steak. You can't beat a steak, a good steak with onions and mushrooms and a nice sauce and mashed potato and whatever else you like with it. God, food, food. I love me food. Anyway, we're moving on on late lunch this afternoon and I'm going to uh, quote my next guest. She said, my life had completely stopped. I clung to the boys as I felt without them I had nothing. I want to say a big hello this afternoon to Michelle Cummins. Hello, Michelle. Hi, how are you? I'm very, very good. Take us back to that time. You have two boys, Ryan and Daniel, and you've reared them yourself. Um, I'm a single mom, and I have two boys, yeah. Uh, Ryan and Daniel. Ryan is 10 and Daniel is 9. 
And when they were small, the usual things with small children, you were running here and there with them. They had their share of, you know, minor illnesses and everything. It wasn't easy. Oh, no, definitely not. (laughs) And you were busy with them and you had to do it all yourself. You know, when I read those words there that you said that, you know, the way you were feeling, what year was that? What year are we talking about there? Um, That was around 2013, 2012. I wasn't feeling, I was feeling low on myself. And then 2015, things kind of started getting harder for me. And uh, I had to kind of pull myself together because I knew I had to be get myself in my headspace for the boys and you know when you're rearing two boys they're constantly on the go mm. and what were you do? feeling a little bit down in yourself yeah, uh, feeling low mm. feeling low in yourself and yeah. you weren't because we're going to talk about how active you've become uh, physical exercise of that that wasn't part of your life at that stage no definitely not I mm. might go out for a walk but I wouldn't go too far and I'd be back against the house yes yeah, and uh, like you know, you you just get into a you get into a rut, don't you? And into a routine, and that that's what happens to people. So what what booked you out of that routine to uh, get you up? Because you decided you made the decision, didn't you? I'm going to start exercising. I did um, in Saint Oliver's National School in Navan. Um, Ruth Dunn set up a program with the school and the Mead Local Sports Partnership and Mags Bellew um, took on doing starting a couch to 5k and I was like right I'm going to give this a go so went one morning and so we didn't have the proper runners or the attire that you would be wearing that you'd be going out in and your pennies tracksuit bottoms and a pair of cheap runners and sure we don't knock them on. don't knock them people would love to have do you know something people would love to be able to go and buy pennies tracksuit bottoms at the minute and let's not let's not take that down and not at all but anyway i know what you're saying you go up there and you feel and you look around you geez i'm not prepared for this at all yeah yeah so there was about i don't know i think it was 10 or 12 was there that morning it was a great turnout for the first morning as far as i can remember and Francis Brown and Karen Ryan, um, there were other people that was part involved in this. And we went down to Blackwater Park in Navan and so we started off, had a little chat and said what we were going to be doing. And then we'd done a few warm-up exercises and we started off walking. And It was a link that was going to be in a couple of weeks' time. Eventually, we were going to run 5K at the park. And mm. so that was like sweating straight away. How are we going to do this or how am I going to do this? But um, no, Max Bellew and Francis Brown and Karen Ryan. Um, Max took me under her wing, and that was it. And I made great friends out of it. And we have such a great network. Like yes, the, we call ourselves the Saint Oliver's National School Group. Yeah, and 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 you know, it's that camaraderie and the support of others that is so important. And, and enabled uh, enabled you to make your way. Look, it was difficult. I hear what you're saying, and uh, I suppose at times you felt God, I, I, you felt like giving up. But you did make. You did that 5K, didn't you? And that's a very special moment when you crossed the line. Oh, that 5K that Saturday morning was was like, where was the finish line? <laughs> you were running around the park and you're like, where is the finish line? Is it on the first field or the second field? Where is it? Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't see the finish line at all. Um, it wasn't easy. It mm. was hard. But I'm a kind of person, I don't like going out. Like the girls that all go out in their groups running where I kind of stick to myself and I have my own pace. I might stop and I might start, I might stop yeah. and start, but I still complete it. Yes, when and I you did. When I have a target at the end, when I have a target in front of me, I'll, I'll finish it. Okay, so you completed that 5K and I know your boys were there as well and they were just thrilled to see Mam yeah. uh, cross the line and complete our first 5K. But really, that was only the start of your journey, it wasn't was. it? 
I was because I I started to really like it and enjoy getting out and saying hello to people and meeting people and it was a time back in 2015 where running and racing and the little groups getting together there was no competitiveness in it mm. there was everybody was just there at their own pace at their own speed and wanting to just get out for fresh air mental health and to help everybody yes and the group that was there like we all do help each other there's always a text how are you how are you keeping even during lockdown you'd still get a text and you haven't heard from people in weeks the next minute you get a text how are you how are you getting on are you getting out you getting a walk in like yeah. we all still touch base with each other which is great mm. it's a great support thing mm. so you move on you moved on yeah you moved on. You, you From the 5K, you then decided, well, I'm going to double up here and complete a 10K. And you did that. I did that. And then I went and I done the Bohemian Half Marathon. Famous run. That one, the Bohemian Half. It really is. And that was in it's March. It's daunting run, I hate. <laughs> <laughs> but it's they one of... They came out looking for me. I'll never forget it. Did they? They went out looking for you. I was the last one in. And I ah. didn't care, but there was... 15 people finished that race with me and it was just fantastic the support mm. they could see me coming around the corner and every one of them ran in with me all the girls and the lads were there as well and it was just fantastic yeah. like Ruth, Elaine, Mags, Karen, Colm the whole group of St. Oliver's it was just amazing and it was the buzz Yeah. and then I reminded myself when I finished I've Dublin Martin signed up for an <laughs> So that well, listen, the half is good preparation, but you did. Oh, you well. went. It certainly <laughs> was. But look at uh, you went to the first Dublin Marathon in October 2017, and you yeah. completed that marathon. I completed that marathon. My heart was for Simonstown football, and I was above running Dublin Marathon because they were in the, the championship they were in the final, final weren't they? The same day. Yeah. yeah. And and they won. Um, Oh, they won that day. My boys were at the final and I was above running the marathon. I'd only crossed the finish line and then one of the girls got a text to say Simon Town were after winning 10 minutes after I crossed. Well, the cheers and the crying, it was fantastic. A double. It was just amazing. A, a double, double for Simon's turn. You complete the marathon and they lift yeah. the championship in, in me as well because you have big associations with them out there, I, I know. Um, that was 2017. You've yeah. done another one at least, haven't you? Or maybe more. A friend of mine's son um, passed away in June in 2019 and I decided I was going to do the marathon in 2019 for them for So Sad. Yeah. Uh, for Ryan McGovern. Ah. And uh, that just now, there was four or five of us had done it for that group. Um, they're very close to me, Maria McGovern and Trevor. And they'd be very close and I just said, you know what, so we started funding for the So Sad in Avon and So Sad Company and... We raised money and I ran the marathon that day um, with his picture on my back. And a lot of people said he shone with a smile for everybody that day. And he did. He got me across the finish line that day. Great. Um, so you have it was two now. Two marathons done. Two marathons done, yeah. Look, this change in your life that you decided to make and when you went that first day with the pennies bottoms on you and the the, the, the wrong <laughs> runners when you think of the journey you've made and and where you are today with it put it in context for me what do you feel what has it meant to you and your life it's given me a boost in myself it's given me some confidence back where i had lost confidence in myself and it's given me that I can, if I set something, I can achieve it. Mm. Um, where before I wouldn't have, yeah. I would say, oh no, I'd back out really quick. 
And now I would, I, if I set a goal, I will do it. Which is terrific. And that is a huge change in somebody's life. Confidence up, goal setting and achieving as well. You know, it's terrific that you can reflect on that as as you speak to me today. COVID has been a shake for everybody, hasn't it? It's shaken it the has, trees yeah. all around. How are you how are you dealing with this with, you know, the current restriction which now looks as if it's going to be at least a Easter? Well, I'm out walking every day. Um I have my two friends at the minute work with the bubble walking, um, Ashley Britton and Karen O'Rourke. We go out and we bring the kids and we do a lap at the block and a lap at the park some days or we'd go out in the evening. Most days we would get in five seven K. Um we're trying just to keep out, keep active. Once I feel if I get some sort of exercise done, I feel I set up for the day. And the girls would be laughing at me like I'd be out and people would be saying, Hi Michelle, hi Michelle They're like, She knows everybody But it's from through walking and through running and meeting people and the school, you would meet a lot of people and for someone to say hello to you, it's like a pip. It's just gives you that little boost as well. Yeah. It's nice. Mm. How are the boys coping with uh, no school? Oh, the boys are still doing school. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry, I I didn't mean to say. Of course, should the mammies and daddies and carers and minders all over the country have become uh, pseudo-teachers for um, this time and doing a great job as well. I'm getting qualifications in teaching now, so I am. (laughs) You'll have your H-dip. You'll have the H-dip done, so you'll have it done for sure. Uh, Tell me this. um, You're very popular, obviously, over that neck of the woods because did they call you Shell? Yeah, that's your nickname, obviously. Yeah. We just got a message in from the gang in Clonmagadden to say oh. that you're one of the nicest people they have ever come across and you're a simply wonderful neighbour to everybody there. And I have another one here for you that's just come when I pick it up here for you. Um, Jerry, this is for Michelle Cummins to say that you're an inspiration to anyone who has any ill feeling in their lives. You kept your head when times were tough. When life gave you lemons, you made lemonade. We love you. That comes in from Debbie, forever your pal. What about that? Oh, thanks, Debbie. <laughs> it's lovely, isn't it? It really is. I know you're a real good sort and you're so helpful in the community there to absolutely everybody. And yours is an inspirational story. I wish you well and keep it going and there'll be more marathons and more milestones and more achievements, I'm sure. Oh, please, God. Please, God. Thank you for talking to me on the show today, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Michelle Cummins there who uh, got up and got going and look at the difference it's made in her life. Delighted to chat to her this afternoon and loved by her neighbours and friends. Isn't that really heartening to hear? You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. It's Mr Brian Kennedy. I'll tell you a little story when I come back about myself and Brian. A better man. No better man than Brian. Not the day he was with me. Brian Kennedy. A better man. No better man than Brian. Yes, I interviewed Brian Kennedy many moons ago on this show and he came to studio and he arrived in with his guitar and uh, we greeted each other and we sat down and the faders went up and I welcomed him to the studio and I said, Brian, you're probably better known as Bap Kennedy's younger brother. Yes, do you get the, do you get the gist of what happened? <laughs> yes, that's what happened, folks. He he actually said, uh, 
No, no, I can't. He actually cut the boots of me. Do you know what I mean? He cut the boots of me back live in a live scenario. And I had to just <gasps> gulp and take it all in. Anyway, <laughs> the interview continued and peace broke out. And it went great and he played and we had fun. And at the end of the interview, you know, he reflected as well and said to me, we knew, I knew and he knew. And he said, look, sorry, forget about it. It's just one of those things. I haven't spoken to my brother in over 20 years. That was the reason. And I'm glad to say that Bap has passed on and before he did, they reconciled, which is was lovely to hear and it brought me back to that day as well. Do you think that's bad? <laughs> I know of another radio presenter who was interviewing him. At least I didn't call him Nigel for the full duration of the interview. There's another one in there for uh, Michelle Cummins. That's for Shell again, obviously better known by her short name. It comes in from your friends to say, Jerry, I joke you not, says the message to me. Michelle is one of life's greatest. She really is so helpful to everybody and her story is a wonderful one. And thank you for allowing her. Tell it on your show today. You're so welcome. No problem indeed. She is an inspirational lady. She certainly is. We were talking earlier on in the show about hair transplants. And I'm a bit light on the top myself now, to be honest with you, but I'd never... Look, I'm past the point of rescue. I couldn't give a damn at this stage if I have none and end up with none or whatever. It's just life, isn't it? But for a lot of people, it is important. And, you know, I was thinking of Wayne Rooney. And look, Rooney was almost bald. And look at the head of hair that Rooney has now. He won't have much hair left shortly, Mr Rooney, managing Derby County Football Club. He'll tear it all out by the time he's finished there. He will. No, he won't. But he will. He has a big job on his hands there. But Rooney is an example of someone who really lost all it, all of it and had it restored as well. And look, I'm sure he has any amount of money to do what he wants to do. But obviously he went to the right people and had it done properly, as Spencer Stevenson was telling me earlier on. Just came to mind. I was thinking about Rooney's one famous example of somebody who has the hair back. Now, tomorrow on Late Lunch, just want to tee this up with you today on the show. Um, Valentine's is Sunday and we have a show in that vein tomorrow for you. But I want you to participate in Friday's Late Lunch and I'll tell you how you can do it. So this gives you a little time for homework this evening, right? So, you know the verse, roses are red, violets are blue. I want you to complete that verse for me tomorrow on the show, okay? So roses are red, violets are blue. Finish the verse and there could be something for you. Do you like that? (laughs) That's just come to me as I sit here. I'm a poet and I still don't know it. No, I'm not. Anyway, roses are red, violets are blue. Complete or finish the verse and there could be something for you. So we want you to get working on completing that little verse for us on late lunch tomorrow. And I have something, yes I do indeed, which I will give to one of you. So get your old thinking caps on, get the poetry flowing there and uh, think about it over evening this evening. So I'm giving you plenty of notice there for late lunch tomorrow and I'll tell you what that is about uh, when we come on air on the show tomorrow afternoon. So you've no excuse, you have your homework, the children are all working at home, you get working at home yourselves this evening just for me. Now just to remind you again, this is so important, I want to say it to you again, Local businesses, they're so important at this time. And 
It's tough. It's tough for them. It really is. Remember, though, I say to you, they're great and they have been great at supporting you and me and our football clubs and our, our children and our charities and everything. And in, in, in the main, they've been so good to people over the years. Now we need to return that kindness and support to them. Because remember this, those businesses in our villages, towns and counties here, they employ Family members, friends, our neighbours in jobs. And listen, when you go shopping, think of them. If you're online shopping, think of them as well. Because a lot of businesses have pivoted. And they have, local businesses, have online presence now. And you'll find them there and you can shop from them. But if you're out and about as well, shop local. We must play our part at this time and keep those businesses going. Because we will need them beyond this very difficult time. And I thank you for your support for local businesses. Still to come on the show today, we're looking for your help. Yes, we are. And Caroline O'Brien is going to tell you why. Because there's a young man who is desperately in need of support at this time. His name is Harry and he has big local links. And of course, yeah, I will be playing another, it's a classic this time, from my featured artist of the week, Dusty Springfield. Good afternoon, I'm Yes, country music fans, you can enjoy country all day, every day here with us on LMFM Radio. You'll find just great country, Nathan Carter, Mike English, Mike Denver, Johnny Cash and so many more. They're all there. Join our presenters, Darren Mahan and Paul McKenna, every day as they bring you Just Great Country. And you can tune in at any stage on the LMFM app or on lmfm.ie. Say hello this afternoon to Anton Marr. She's tuned in and listening, and she's reminding me that Anton Dubeck of Strictly Come Dancing fame is another man who had a significant hair transplant. God, he has a great head of hair indeed, Anton. Stick to the um, the news stories for me, Anton, and keep me up to date. You're not a poet. You're not a poet. Yes, I'm getting them in already. Roses are red, violets are blue. Louise says, COVID is crap and homeschooling too. <laughs> I like that one. I really do. There's another one. Roses are red, violets are blue. Sugar is sweet and so are you. Oh, Pat, thanks so much. Anyway, get them ready for tomorrow on the show. We want to hear loads of them. Get creative. You've only two lines to put out. Come on, Anton, come on, for God's sake. Have another go there, will you? Anyway, we'll be coming back to this tomorrow. And I have something for you, I promise you, on late lunch tomorrow on the eve of the eve of Valentine's Day. Now, you do know my featured artist of the week is Dusty Springfield. And I was telling you yesterday, her newfound success in the late 80s, yes, it continued into the 90s with the album Reputation. She returned to live in the UK from the USA. And while recording what was to be our penultimate album in 1994, it was called A Very Fine Love, Dusty began feeling unwell and was diagnosed with breast cancer. She received chemotherapy and radiation and her cancer went into remission. So she set about promoting the album. However, by mid-1996, her battle for life returned and she soldiered on until the spring of 1999 when the world world lost, in the words of Elton John, the greatest white singer there's ever been. And I think this song bears it out. Yeah, Dusty Springfield at her very best. And Elton John did say that he reckoned she was the greatest white female voice ever. And that was some tribute from Elton John after she passed away. We conclude the Dusty Springfield story tomorrow on Late Lunch with another great Dusty song. God, we have the strangest of listeners, don't we? Roses are red, violets are blue, but don't get excited. I like monkeys too. (sighs) Oh my God almighty. Well, you know... 
it's a verse and it does rhyme and it's in there and I'll hold on to it till tomorrow with the others as well. But come on, get cracking tonight. Get that poetry vibe up in you and put them together for me tomorrow and uh, we'll have a bit of fun here on Late Lunch with uh, some wonderful guests as well on the eve of the eve of Valentine's Day. We were speaking to Column Keys, top of the show about uh, the GAA and it looks like there won't be inter-county games for some time and uh, losing their elite status I have uh, more messages there. This just reflects what quite a number of people are saying. I think the GAA should not open up completely. Uh, Sorry, let me say that again. I think the GAA should not open up until it's completely safe to do so. It was reckless to see county finals taking place last year and no social distancing. Our health must come first regardless. And Jerry, I am one of the GAA's greatest supporters, says that message uh, into me there that just popped in there. Thank you indeed. Love to hear from you on the show. Now, we're going to have a head to uh, Clonmelon in County Mead. I know it well. And I'm going to have a chat with Caroline O'Brien. Hello, Caroline. Caroline O'Reilly. Sorry. Thank your pardon. <laughs> no, oh, my fine, God almighty. Fine. It's how... Uh, Caroline O'Reilly, I beg your pardon. Yeah. There you are. Yeah. Now, let me rectify that there. There you are. They were changing your name in here from uh, uh, O'Reilly to O'Reilly. Don't ask me why that was. Anyway, <laughs> Caroline O'Reilly in Clonmelon, welcome to the show this afternoon. Now, Thanks, tell us about uh, this guy, Harry. Harry Martin is 25 and he is my niece's um, fiancé, Tishanaid Snowden, of nine years. And um, he has been diagnosed with um, a rare cancer, um, brain cancer called um, glioblasma, which is grade four. And um, because it's rare, it started in his spine and then to his brain. Now, at the moment, he is on his last chemo. And it may or may not stabilize. He has 40%. And at this stage, they kind of give them eight months because they've run out of any treatment that they can give them by the NHS. So um, what we want to do is we want to try and get into Germany to get experimental treatments in private things over there. And um, well, obviously, everything comes at a price and um, a price of 150,000 sterling. So we have set up a GoFundMe page. And it's called Harry's Healing Fund. And um, our Instagram, we'll keep on rolling. We'll spend with uh, W-H-E-L, if anybody wants to donate. So far, we have raised over 65,000 in over three and a half weeks, which is going very well. Yes, fantastic. So, so actually, you're up to, I just checked there before I came in, you're up to 67,000 at the minute. So oh, very the good, money very is good. tipping along there as yeah. we speak, you know. Yeah. Um, so look, at time is of the essence here and funding is of the essence because the sooner he can be got to Germany, there is hope if he goes there and it will give everybody hope. This came out of the blue, didn't it, in April last year? Yeah, what happened was um, Harry was um, prepared to go to, into the army. So he's keeping himself fit, doing his, obviously going to the gym, swimming and running. And he got a sudden pain in his back. When he went to the doctor, they thought it was um, maybe a disc or something, so they gave him inflammatories. Um, then a week later, he started getting um, sensations in his feet. So they had to send him for urgent MRI, 
and discovered um, a four and a half centimetre tumour in the spine, which is not, they're not able to operate now. You know that way? So. Yes. Mm. So it's a, a critical situation. So the GoFundMe yeah. page is Harry's Healing Fund. Healing so fund, it's yeah. GoFundMe.com, Harry's Healing Fund. If you just Google, folks, Harry's Healing Fund, I've done it already. You'll see all the information there. Now, you you are, he has big connections here in Ireland, of course, in Clanmelin. I know in Ashbourne as well and over to the UK. Um, there's something planned with balloons. Tell us about that. What are you going to do there? Well, obviously, uh, Valentine's Day is coming up and we want to send all our love to Harry. And we've come up with an idea of a family from um, Ireland and England. And what we're going to do, we had to get T-shirts made. My sister in Dublin got T-shirts made um, free. They were donated to us. And we are going to do a 5K walk, obviously, with this COVID. We all have to stay in our own areas, our own towns, our own cities. So my husband and I um, are going to start off um, for um, our first 5K and we're going to have purple balloons and we're going to tape it um, freshly, let off the balloons and then we pass more or less to Ashbourne, to Dublin, to Surrey, Wilshire and then over to Harry's house. OK, so this is a sequence of releasing of balloons. So you're yeah. starting in Clonmelon, then your yeah. brother, John Swan, who's in Ashburn, Ashburn, he's going to follow on and do the same. Then there are yeah. other family members I know around Dublin. They're all going to do it in sequence. And then it goes over to the UK where he's living at the moment uh, with your niece. And that's going to end with the balloon release at his home. Yes. Oh, it's exactly. a lovely thought. It's a really yeah. beautiful thing. I really have to say that. It's a lovely, lovely touch. And you know what it is? It's connecting everybody, isn't it? It really yeah. is. Like, uh, we've set up an awful lot of different um, fundraisers as well. Like, um, they've done quiz on Zoom. They've done spot the ball. They've done a lot of bonus ball. Um, raffles. I've made up a hamper here. And mm. I'm selling tickets outside my local shop on a Friday for a couple of hours. And that's going to be raffled off on Valentine's Day as well. And my sister's in one big one as well. So you know something, you're great. You're great, and people are great when the chips are down. And you know what? People are wonderful at supporting all the causes. You know what I mean? That come along as well. We're terrific. It's one great aspect of people in these islands. Just not Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales. There's a great, you know, uh, coming together of people in times of difficulty and support there and long may that continue so you need 150 you're you've just gone over 67 as i speak and i'm hoping that our little chat today will push that along a little further for you go fund me harry's healing fund how how is he like it's these are tough times for himself yeah as i said he's still on his last chemo at that moment so he is in a bit of a pain in his lower spine so obviously he's in bed all the time they have a hospital bed and um, he is some days he's up, some days he's down, but he still tries to keep smiling. And even last June, when he thought there was some hope, he actually went out and did some fundraising himself um, for um, cancer, teenage cancers, and he raised over eight thousand pound himself in England. Mm. And now we're looking for help for him. Yes, you know that Look, he deserves it, and and every shot he can get at this for uh, groundbreaking treatment or anything in that area, it is well well worth pursuing, and he has to do it. Look, I wish you well with the balloon release and everything you're doing, and I say to listeners again, if you can help at all, this guy needs it, really needs it this time. Go fund me, Harry's Healing Fund. 
Caroline O'Reilly, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Jerry. Wish Bye. you well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God, the great people. And we think of Harry as we uh, sign off on late lunch uh, this Thursday afternoon. Don't forget the wee verses. Roses are red, violets are blue. The bombing in here to me already. It's for tomorrow. It's all right. I'll look after them for you here. I promise you. But get cracking tonight and get them to me, to me tomorrow during the show and we'll have a bit of fun with them. I promise you. Also on tomorrow's show, yes, the wonderful Monica McInerney is joining us. She has a brand new book out. She'll be with us on the show tomorrow. Tara Walker is here with the food of love. Uh, Liam Blanche will uh, look at the weekend in sport. And we have a great story, love, second time round to bring you on the eve of Eva Valentine late lunch but we'll say goodbye to you today with Eddie on the way with some wonderful music on the drive for the next couple of hours yes ho hey we're on our way back tomorrow half one it's the Lumineers see you then The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Strahda Dundalk and Cavan our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe sales are click and deliver only through our website blackstonemotors.ie stay safe from Blackstone Motors Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.